to episode 40 of the Canadian Pepper Podcast, recorded on October 17th, 2019. My name is Ian. Tonight, I'm host of the show. Well, congratulations, Eric. He's uh, got the nation's newest pepper. Congratulations to Eric. And the only people who are truly prepared to have babies are the ones that understand that they are unprepared. <laughs> yeah. It's a uh, lack of sleep for the next three months, I'm sure, at least. So, anyways, three my months. name is Ian. Yeah. My name is Ian. I live on a hub, small hobby farm in BC. I'm an outdoor enthusiast, sports shooter, reloader, field officer for the CCFR, and my farm's designated handyman. I'm Alan. My friends and family call me a safety nerd. My background as a first responder has developed my mind for safety. I teach first aid, coach my family and friends to be better prepared. I'm a locksmith by trade and have worked in the physical security industry for more than 20 years now. We would love your support to help keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air. Do us a favor, buy a Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt. I'm wearing one, although it's a little cool out here tonight, so we're... Uh, it's, I'm covered up, but buy a Prepper podca- Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt at rapidsurvival.com. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. If you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Canadian Prepper Podcast and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad. I think we have some bad ones tonight. Uh, let us know if there's a topic you want us to cover, or if you like or dislike or something we're doing, you can feel free to email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. We have some scattered content for you tonight. We're going to start off with some news articles relating to preparedness in the outdoors. Next, we'll let you know how we've improved our preparedness since the last episode. Then we'll get into our main topic for the episode, shotguns and their role in preparedness. So a few few news articles um, that that I found of of interest. Uh, Nova Scotia, those poor folks out there who've been still recovering from Hurricane Dorian, uh, got smoked with a what's being called a weather bomb caused some pretty major flooding and some widespread power outages. Um, also in Nova Scotia, apparently I've got, I'm ragging on the East Coast tonight, a uh, <laughs> Halifax police officer was arrested and charged with theft. Um, uh, details are still forthcoming, but um, it looks like uh, she was arrested by fellow police officers charged with unsafe storage of a firearm, which happened to be her department-issued handgun, Careless, excuse me, careless use of a firearm, carrying concealed weapon, unauthorized possession of a restricted firearm, possession of a restricted firearm with ammunition, theft not exceeding $5,000, disguised with intent. It has also been reported that she has a previous charge for DUI. Interesting, I, isn't it? I, I think you would call her an administrative burden in the department. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a bit of a hot mess there, for sure. Um, in, uh I don't know how their system works, but in Ontario here, we have the we have the Police Services Act that takes care of a lot of those things, and uh, I get a very distinct feeling that the Police Services Act will not look kindly upon this particular person. No, they're usually supposed to be held to a higher standard, so that's uh, that's going to be very interesting. I guess she was shoplifting, right? That's what got her into it. She was uh, shoplifting wearing yeah. a wig and had her handgun. Shoplifting wearing a wig. Yeah, and then she happened to have her department-issued handgun with her at the time, which... Uh, I mean, that was something that I learned is that they're not supposed to do. I assume that uh, police officers were armed most of the time, or at least had the option of being armed. Um, but it looks like that is not the case. So there you go. That's uh, that's a thing. of note that because she has unauthorized position of restricted firearm, it means she likely doesn't have her pal. That's true. Um, which yeah, which yeah, I find, which I find, I just it's still it's still mind boggling to me. Yep. 
Well, yeah, the fact that a badge negates the need for an RPL. What have you got, Frosian? Yeah, well, it's very interesting. Power Edge in California is what I got. So I've got, uh, it was a planned power outage, but uh, interestingly enough, the reason they shut down the lines was not due to a technical issue, it was about liability. So they decided that even though it would affect millions of people for days on end, they just decided uh, rather than be liable for any forest fires that might have been started with high winds on the power lines, they just shut everything down. And it doesn't really help that they all have electric cars down there. And, uh, they still had some fires start anyway, so it didn't really help them. Well, maybe there were fewer fires as a result. Yeah, but uh, I think it says something about your whole logistical setup. If you have to turn the power off, you could just maybe try burying the power lines, or I don't know. There's got to be some sort of better better way to do it. There's got to be a better way. Absolutely. Move the power pit closer, but then it's in somebody's backyard, and nobody likes it in their backyard. That's true. Uh, what we've done lately for preps, um, can I take a pass on this one? I just got home from work last night. <laughs> So, yeah, absolutely. Um, this week, uh, we're kind of getting the car kits changed over for winter, uh, adding some insulating layers, extra food, boots, shovels, uh, candles in cans, things like that. Uh, I will be doing a full review of that on my Instagram feed, so take a look at that. Uh, probably next week, we'll get some uh, get some video and some pictures up for that. I uh, took the kids out for a walk in the weekend. Well, I guess the kids with the family uh, got lost in the woods for a little bit, had a uh, had a good time there, kind of took a look at the map before we went out into a provincial park, uh, decided to change our route part way, and as a result, we uh, that we weren't expecting to be, um, which was, you know, just fine. It, it, was, uh, it was an adventure. We were never in any actual danger of, you know, not making it back. It was just a matter of, didn't end up where we wanted to be and didn't exactly know how to get from point from, from where we were back to starting point. So um, a, uh, a reminder that before you, before you hit the trails, take a picture, take a picture of the map at the trailhead and uh, keep track of it on your phone at the very least. Yeah. Or there's free GPS apps out there too, right? Well, the GPS apps don't, uh, don't necessarily show us where the, uh, where the trails are in a provincial park. No, but that's true. But they at least they can give you a, uh, a waypoint to find your way back. If you just take a snapshot of the lot along, you can build your own waypoint. Yeah, do that. yeah, absolutely. Yep. So there are. Yeah. So that's that's another. Yeah, absolutely another way that we could have we could have done that, and we we ch- we didn't. Um, and the result was that we ended up in a place that we weren't expecting to be, and didn't exactly know where we were at the moment or how to get back, and so had a had a great and glo- grand and glorious time following the following the trail, retracing our steps, and. Turns out the trail looks different going backwards. So that was uh, that was our fun for the weekend. Oh, absolutely! You know, it's kind of funny because up in the, uh, the 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 cold jungle that's up behind my house here, it's uh, you can literally be five yards off the trail and you can't see it because all the over uh, overgrowth of the brush and just the fact that everything's kind of like muted it doesn't really uh, stick out that well. So yeah, even if you're just just off the trail, it can make a big difference too. Let alone traveling backwards on it, it's uh, it's amazing how fast you can get disoriented or whatever. Yeah, so that was uh, that was our excitement for the weekend, and I think with that, it's time to move into the main topic of our show. We're going to talk about shotguns. All right. So uh, why are we talking about this one to start with? I'd say uh, it's an easy intro to shooting for any reason, um, no matter if you're experienced or new to the the whole sport. It's um, you know it's just an easy entry. Like uh, for example, like under the preparedness banner. Hunting is a valid reason to own a firearm uh, in Canada, especially uh, even the most strict or uh, 
nitpicky CFOs that are out there or chief firearms officers that are uh, varied by province and how uh, particular they are when it comes to issuing licenses and uh, even the federal one. Um, just remember, if you are applying for a firearms license, don't mention the zombie apocalypse because chances are you probably nope. won't get a firearms license. Nope. So. No, no, no zombies, no home invaders. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, don't mention blasting a home invader you know, as soon as you get a chance or anything else. That's <laughs> probably not going to get you very far in Canada. Um, so yeah, under the, uh, the idea of hunting, rabbits and grouse, uh, they're usually plentiful throughout the country, maybe even ptarmigan if you're further up north. Uh, it's kind of like, I call it a gateway animal for hunting especially grouse, because they're so easy to deal with afterwards. They're, there's plenty of them. doesn't require a whole lot of skill to get them. And shotgun's yep. a, a good way to get them, for sure. You can also use 20 uh, rifles and stuff, but uh, this is just a, kind of a no-brainer. Yep. Um, so, yeah, shotgun, shotguns are the, the easiest way to get birds as well, uh, squirrels, any any kind of small to small to moderate-sized game. Um, it's a great way. Yeah, like you said, it's a great way to get started, for sure. Well, especially for moving targets like rabbits or, or birds in flight. I mean, you're never going to hit a bird in flight with a rifle, whereas a shotgun, it's it's obviously a much easier task to accomplish. That's why people use them. Um, yep. Yeah, so it's definitely a good thing. A uh, good thing about using a shotgun in, uh, in hunting purposes, uh, no sighting in required. So if you're new to rifles or shotguns and you don't know how to make sure your sights are all aligned, there really is no sight on them, just a little metal bead on the front of the barrel. So um, it comes kind of pre-sighted in. It's uh, this shot spreads out so much from the shotgun that it doesn't require any sort of precise uh, setting in measurement or anything. Other than that, you just need yep. to familiarize yourself with the controls of how it works, and then you're on your way. And depending on the type of shotgun, which we'll discuss in a little bit, the the controls are also pretty darn basic. Yeah. And they're, I mean, just overall, they're easy. They're they're easy to maintain. They're easy to use. They're easy to clean. They're they're just they're good. They're a good utility workhorse, or they can be. I mean, you can get some pretty fancy shotguns out there but you know a good you know, a good basic shotgun is pretty easy to control pretty easy to use you don't have to be a gunsmith to to make it your own oh yeah for sure because the uh you know the skill set required for a shotgun um is a lot less so than like a rifle at distance and there's plenty of ways to, to practice for fun like uh, between you know skeet shooting and trap shooting so there's a uh, yep. sport called sporting clays that mimics like everything from uh, birds to rabbits along the ground um available at your local gun club, I'm sure. And uh, it's very easy to maintain your competency with it. Yep. So, uh, versatility. It's a fun game. Yep. Yeah, no, actually, it's kind of funny because the one I had in, in Ontario when I lived there, uh, we pretty much had the sporting clays range to ourselves at any given moment because it just was barely ever used. So it was kind of nice. But uh, nice. versatility. Uh, upland game to polar bears with a shotgun. So, I mean, if you're going to get anything from grouse all the way up to polar bears, it's possible with a shotgun. I recommend you don't get that close to polar bears on a regular basis to try it out. But um, actually, I was going to throw in a little story there too, like the uh, the Sartex for the Canadian military. They actually, when they drop in to rescue people in the in the far north, they actually are not issued with anything more than a pump shotgun because they know that with the right type of ammunition, it's good enough. So it's it, it'll, <laughs> it'll, do, it'll do everything absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, it makes good sense, surprised. and they. They're they're also effective with a shorter barrel, or they're equally effective with a shorter barrel, so they're they're a little bit more compact. Um, and the uh, you know the versatility, as you're mentioning there, is also one of the one of kind of the drawbacks. So if you're if you're going after big game, you do have to get fairly close to it. Um, so depending on whether you're going across the Great Plains of Alberta or you're in the dense bush of the boreal forest, it's going to decide whether or not a shotgun is right for you because. Uh, most shotguns are, are not not terribly effective out past about 35, 40 yards. So. 
that is that true. Is an interesting, yeah. So that's that's the, one of the one of the uh, um, one of the the take or the the drawbacks, right? Because every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So well, I guess good it's also of being versatile. Well, yeah, some districts or uh, jurisdictions they actually restrict uh, big game hunting to shotgun or bow only to make it more difficult because they know that you have to get pretty dang close with a shotgun or to actually do a proper job. So um, that's their way of limiting well, the amount of game taken in the area too, right? Well, I think there's also there's also a component of of safety and density and population because if um, if I fire a if I fire a rifle and my and my shot misses, it can go a fair distance. Like that 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 round can travel a fair distance, but and um, it's really hard to check your backstop in the forest. Um, whereas with a shotgun, you know, one of those pellets, you know, it might hit thirty or forty yards. Just you know, the eleven hundred yard sights on my SKS. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty optimistic on it for an SKS, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm not yeah. saying it's effective. I'm saying the, the you know, to 1100. Yeah, the uh, yeah, it's true because I mean most shotgun pellets they won't go more than 100 yards at the best on the best days. So I mean, uh, you have to yeah. angle it pretty good to even get that far. So you're right, absolutely. So if there is, you know, houses that you're not aware of, and it is high population density, that does make sense as well for them to limit it that way. Um, show yeah. shotguns they come in multiple also, gauges. And, 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 yeah, so a gauge, a gauge versus a caliber. A caliber is usually a is usually the diameter of the round, and I think we kind of talked about that when we were talking about the, in the reloading episode. So if you haven't listened to the reloading episode, go back and listen to that now, and then come back to this one. So the caliber is the kind of the diameter of a solid round. The gauge is a is is kind of a misnomer because the original uh, the original use of the term gauge was the number of equal divisions that you could get out of a pound of lead. So yeah, a 12 so gauge shotgun, you could take 12, you could take a pound of lead, turn it into 12, I think it was a pound of lead or was it an ounce of lead? I can't remember what it was, but you can take that one measurement, divide it 12 times and you get a 12 gauge shotgun. Well, kind of uh, what they did is the, the amount of uh, balls that are the diameter of the actual barrel. If you took 12 of those balls that are that diameter, you would get, a pound. So same thing. It take twenty balls this diameter to get lead balls. That is to get a pound of lead. Um, kind of same idea, but it was just a, an equal amount of lead balls to reach a certain number to get one pound. So it's kind of weird because yeah. unlike caliber, which is like the larger the number of the caliber, the, the bigger the bullet. The larger the number of the gauge is actually a smaller round. So this is a twenty gauge, which is smaller than a twelve gauge, um, which makes a difference. So uh, for this chat, I guess also, there's there's also the inaptly named 410 gauge. The 410, the 410 <laughs> gauge is, is called a gauge of a shotgun. However, it is properly a caliber, but it's just yeah, used in shotgun terms instead of um, instead of uh, caliber terms. Yeah, so like we don't want to get too bogged down in that, but uh, I mean, there's, there's tons of calibers out there, but for preparedness purposes. Um, we should probably focus on the 12 and 20 gauge only because if there is a pie yeah. chart out there of, of all the shotgun shells made in North America, fully on 50% of them are 12 gauge that are made in North America. Um, another 25% are 20 gauge. And the last quarter of that pie is all the other gauges out there. There's a lot of them. Like 16, 16s and 410s. And I think there's even an 18. And there's, I think there's even a 22 gauge I've heard of, but I've never seen one. Uh, yeah, 16 and 28, yeah. So, so 28, um, there it is, yeah. 
Yeah, and so like, but you're never going to use them. The ammunition is way too expensive. It's hard to find. Uh, 410 is actually more of an expert weapon. Uh, it's actually because it's a smaller amount of shot, and it's it's a t- tougher gun to use. So 20 actually is recommended for, for newbies or smaller statute people. So um, that's why I was yep. going to focus on 12 and 20s tonight. I have, but, a, uh, I have a 16. I like my 16. It's it's light, but it's uh, yeah. In terms of versatility, it's for me. I, like, I don't have a 20. I don't have a 20 gauge. I have a 12 gauge. Um, and I like, I like my 12 gauge. It does everything I need it to. It'll take a, um, it'll take a, a deer. It'll take a bird on the wing. It'll take a zombie if I really need it to, to. <laughs> you weren't supposed to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, for sure. I mean, I, my personal preference is 12 gauge as well, but, uh, for the girls in the house and my wife, when she was first starting out, I went with 20 gauge just to get them started on the idea. Um, and, uh, yeah, once the girls are a little bigger, I'll probably get them on to 12 just because that, just like I said, more versatile. Uh, 20 gauge is generally used for just birds, uh, generally. There are exceptions, yep. but 12 gauge, though, can do anything. Like I mentioned, uh, you know, double odd buck, which is like big, thick lead balls uh, that can use uh, for polar bears, large game. There's slugs, they're like one giant piece of lead in there. Uh, and there's a variety of shot that goes from super fine stuff to relatively coarse uh, lead shot. Um, Shot size is mentioned as a number, and generally, the bigger the number, the smaller the shot, because they want to make it nice and confusing. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so shot yeah. Uh, also comes, uh, it's mostly made out of lead, but it also comes with steel shot because, uh, due to, well, not even recent, I'd say a long time ago, they switched over from uh, lead to steel shot being mandatory for uh, doing migratory game hunting. So, if you're hunting like geese or ducks or anything that goes into a pond, they're trying to reduce lead. Contamination of the water. Um, that's their theory, and so they um, they went with steel being mandatory. Uh, it comes with its own set of problems, but it's it's a thing. So anyway, twelve uh, gauge shells. So the twelve uh, shells. Yeah, they come in three sizes generally. There's always exceptions. Uh, two and three quarter inch, uh, which is probably the most common. Uh, three inch, uh, even as far as three point five inch shells, which are meant for like heavy duty. Uh, waterfowl hunting at distance but you probably won't see them that's a that's a big that's a big inch. i think the first i, I seem to remember the first slug i ever sent it was a three and a half inch three and a half inch slug and uh that hurt it was a 12 gauge it's a 12 gauge slug and i was not prepared for it and the uh the person that was teaching me to shoot was a bit of a jerk and um yeah 12 gauge three and a half slug coming back on your shoulder is uh it's a bit of a kick yeah not fun um uh, 20 gauge Shells come in two and three quarters or just three inches. That's it. Um, most shotgun chamberings, uh, as far as what your shotgun will actually take, are marked on the barrel. So if you have a shotgun hiding in your closet from your your dad or your grandpa that you don't know what to do with, usually on the barrel, it'll to tell you what size of shells it takes. But as a general rule, uh, under the guise of safety, if you're not sure, either ask somebody or stick with two and three quarter. Um, if yeah. it's a really old shotgun, it might even be smaller than that. So if it's super antique, don't, uh, don't mess with it. I have a uh, I have a couple of antique well antique I have a couple of older older shotguns that were passed down to me. One came out of the uh, came out of the jump seat of a water buffalo or of a buffalo uh, when they were retired from the uh, from the Air Force. And yeah, they are two and three quarter only. Uh, that was back in the uh, it was built. That gun was made in the fifties. Retired in the seventies, but it could have been a little bit earlier than that. It was. Um, there's the the story the story changed depending on the uh, the volume of alcohol and the person telling it, um, 
but it was uh, you know gun. Uh, yeah, but it was two and three quarter only. Uh, of note, uh, if you're especially if you've got a if you've got a pump action shotgun that has a tube, make sure that it is plugged for the appropriate um, the appropriate length of or the appropriate size of your shells. Because if you've got the wrong plug in there and you get stopped by the the, the Smokies, um, you can run into trouble. Well, yeah, because you're limited to, when you are CRL with hunting, you're limited to having uh, two in the tube plus one in the chamber. So um, that is a hunting regulation, not a firearms act thing. But yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So the other thing, actually, you mentioned that uh, as the measurements are measured on the barrel, usually for what size of shells it can take, if the barrel is easily removed, uh, sometimes people can get put a newer barrel on there. They might say you're good for longer shells, but your actual the receiver, like the part that takes the recoil, might not be built for those larger shells. So just be extra careful with that. If you're not sure, ask somebody that knows. Mm -hmm. but, uh, so yeah, hot tip, buy two and three quarter inch shells. Generally, you can't go wrong. Um, but if it's super old antique, you can take it to an expert for sure. Uh, barrel constrictions. So on the edge of the end of the barrel, they have uh, something called a choke. Uh, chokes can be either fixed or they can be actually like something you can thread in and out and change them out at will. Um, yeah, I was going to mention there's about eight different chokes available, but uh, there's three basic ones. One's called cylinder bore, which is basically a straight tube. Uh, full choke, which is super tight and modified choke. And the reason they do that is in order to control how far the spread uh, the shot spreads out at a certain distance. Um, is that a good, good way to describe that? Yeah, so yeah. It, it, it's um, it, by the way again. Pro tip: if you if, if the shotgun that you choose has a changeable choke, uh, make sure you always have something in there, even if it's just the cylinder bore, because otherwise you're going to mess up the threads and you'll never get a new choke in there uh, without taking it to a gunsmith. Um, don't ask me how I know that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, essentially, it's going to it's the the tighter the, the the tighter the choke, so that full choke is going to have the narrowest spread. Of, of shot, whereas the cylinder bore is going to have the widest spread of shot, uh, and the modified is going to be somewhere in the middle. And depending on what you're using it for, you may need a specific choke for something to get a desired result at a specific distance. And that's, um, you know, that's that's a, a, akin to um, zeroing the sight on a rifle, like zeroing the uh, the sights at a specific distance and then adjusting for um, adjusting for distance beyond that. So that's kind of what those are for. Um, but it's yeah, you don't need to you don't need to get uptight about it when you're when you're first learning about shotguns. No, uh, and some of the cheaper ones just come with a fixed choke. It's not much you can do about it, anyways, uh, unless you want to permanently change it. So, yep. So types available. Um, again, there's exceptions, but generally they come in uh, single shot, pump action, or semi-auto. For now, <laughs> yep. that that could change come Monday. We'll see. Um, We'll see. Yeah. yeah, but uh, there's also uh, different types. There's actually a bolt-action shotgun out there that looks like a modified hunting rifle, but those are generally poo-pooed upon nowadays. Um, cool. Yeah, but and they're also really cheap too. There's but, also like so the the single shot also is it comes comes in either single or double barrel. Should be mentioned as well. Yeah, like a break-action type. Like it's uh, yeah, it can, a break-action. Yep. Yeah, it can be single or double barrel. Uh, everybody knows what a double barrel shotgun looks like. Uh, as luck would have it, I have a single shot shotgun with me here tonight, so this is going to guarantee we get demonetized if we were trying to do so on YouTube. But uh, since I'm going to show it, anyways, I think I've already done it. There it is. Check the camera here. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a break action shotgun, uh, single shot, and 
Well, that's why they call it single shot. It's only got one barrel. And uh, I meant to put it in one shell all the time. You can see it's, it's quite empty there, so we're all safe. Um, yeah, so where do I start with this one now? Uh, this is called a Baikal uh, 18, which is probably the cheapest shotgun you're going to be able to find used online. Uh, there's a couple states to do it from. I got this one for $145. Um, it's in fantastic shape, made in Soviet Union uh, back when USSR was a thing. Um, it's fantastic, super reliable, it's great in cold weather. Um, it's kind of got a neat look to it, especially with this little thing right here, which you probably won't see on any other shotgun. Um, but the problem is, of course, there's no parts available for it. But the good news is, all the parts were handmade, so you can always make more. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's actually, it's, it's back when communism wasn't worried about making a profit, they pretty much hand fit all these ones together. So they're actually a high quality item, considering what you spend for them. Um, they're mm, actually all basically handmade, uh, which is pretty awesome. Um, they are limited in shell size, so under that uh, banner of if you're not sure, check or just keep it safe. Uh, two and three quarter only on this one. So this takes the smallest size shotgun shells available. However, uh, that's a good thing because it's super light, and so even the two and three quarter shells on it kick like you wouldn't believe. Like there's a lot of recoil with this thing. So uh, yeah, I'd recommend if you do get one of these, get a recoil pad because. It'll destroy your shoulder otherwise. Um, the good thing about this one, um, I just gonna, this is my personal recommend if you're going to get a single shot shotgun. The reason being is that, uh, you know, under the Soviet banner, they spread the AK 47 around the world because it was super easy to operate and it was cheap and it was uh, only had four controls. This thing's got three, so it's even easier to work than the old uh, infamous AK 47. So uh, it doesn't require a tool to take down. The only thing you have to do to uh, take this down is, hey, can you see that, Alan? Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay, so all you need to take it yeah. down is just uh, pull that, comes off, and then squeeze the magic little lever, and that's it. So that's the toolless takedown, um, and then it makes it super easy to clean. Uh, but the interesting thing is the hammer that would normally fire there, like smack against the firing pin and, and set off the shell, is actually internal, so it's not going to get snagged on anything. Um, built for cold weather, like I mentioned, because it's built in Russia. Um, heavily overbuilt like they use solid steel parts for everything um it's gonna last forever type of thing uh like i said high quality and hooray something good came from communism i guess <laughs> uh, this is another invention that's right uh the only three controls i was going to mention there uh was just this thing which is actually it cocks the hammer to fire the gun as well as breaks open the barrel uh there's a safety right here that uh you know obviously red for fire and black for safe, and then just the trigger. That's the only three controls on the entire gun. It's uh, So as far as familiarization goes and ease of use and instructing somebody, it's pretty hard to mess that up. That's pretty easy, yep. Yeah, and even it's got a little indicator here. It tells you when you've got the hammer cocked. So to be extra careful oh, here, it's like, yeah. it sticks out a little bit there. Cute. And, and if you, if it's not cocked, it's uh, you'll know because it'll go flush. But as soon as you cock the hammer, it sticks out. Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of neat that way. Cool. Um, so as far as value for dollar, this is awesome. So um, if you're going to start out and you don't know what else to do, get one of these Bicale 18s. I mean, there's other ones out there that are just the same price and everything else. I'm just a big fan of these things. Uh, the bad news about these things is because they're so old, they were made in the 80s and 70s. Uh, they can't take the steel shot that you would need for migratory birds. So uh, you're stuck with lead shot and two and three quarters only, and they've got a fixed choke. So we talked about those chokes you can't uh, change out the choke and make it uh, looser or anything else, but it's a super tight choke, so it's good for longer distance. 
longer for shotgun, meaning like shotgun 45 yards, <laughs> 45 yards stops. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, under the bonuses, super lightweight considering the fact that it's made with a lot of steel, but it's, it's gonna, it's gonna kick. Um, there is a newer version out there made in Turkey. That's kind of very similar um, called the Midland series. There's also well, there's about 16,000 Tur- Turkish names right now. Um, they're all kind of similar idea. They're about 170, 199 bucks, depending on where you shop. But, um, yeah, that's an alternative. If you don't want to go with the old school stuff, you can get with the newer ones. They'll take larger shells and steel shot and stuff, but I'm kind of a fanboy of these things. So there's, there's, there's some nostalgia that goes along with the, uh, with the good Russian quality. Oh yeah. Especially if you're in the middle of the prairies, the middle of the winter, you know, it's going to behave well in cold weather. So, yep. And yeah. So and that the next type of shotgun we want to talk about was the uh, pump shotgun. My um, personal favorite. Yeah, actually, to be honest, mine, mine too. But uh, I just thought for show and tell, this was a good one. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so pumps uh, more versatile than a uh, single shot shotgun with a faster follow up shot, but they're going to run you more money. Uh, yep. I mentioned the the fact that they're good enough for the Sartex to drop in and, and base down polar bears. Um, yeah, probably good for anything you're going to face as well. Um, favorite yep. for years, the police yeah. departments. The Remington 870 is the uh, the go-to for. I mean, even if you watch like the old, even the old police academy movies, they're carrying Remingtons. They're uh, <laughs> there's there's nothing that quite matches the sound of a shotgun cycling. of a shotgun cycling. It's or a pump action. It's uh, it's pretty distinctive. Oh, unmistakable sound for sure. Um, yep. The nice thing uh, under Canadian firearms law, there's no limit on shell capacity in the tube as far as uh, like taking it to the range uh, under our laws. So unless you're going out migratory bird hunting, you have to limit it to two. But other than that, uh, federally, there's no limit. So unlike semi-autos. Um, so here, you can put a 10-shot tube on a 8 Remington 870 and be perfectly legal here. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned that unmistakable sound. Um, it's nice to have that control as, as well as knowing where the... Uh, what the state of the firearms in? Um, yep. What you said about that? Uh, you re- mentioned it already, but my recommendation is the Remington 870. Um, yeah, I have a, like I have me. a Mossy, the Mossberg. That's that's the one that I, I chose. Yeah, that was simply because there was one available for real. I was shopping for shotguns, and it has yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, like the Mossy, yeah, the Mossy 500 for sure. That's two. So he's still, I think he's cutting in and out there. It's, the, the Mossberg 500, you're right. I mean, that's the other major contender out there. Because, like the only... Oh, still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay, we're, we're cutting in and out there. Um, yeah. Anyway, so the uh, Mossberg 500. So, yeah, I was going to say they're, uh, the military in the States uses the Mossberg 500 for its reliability and stuff. Police generally use eight Remington 870s as well as they seem to be popular in the civilian market. Um, because they're highly customizable. They're like a Barbie doll for guys. Uh, you, know, you pretty much put any accessories on there you want, right? Um, yep. Uh, if, you, if you've ever wanted to see a shotgun with a bayonet on it, you're going to find it on the Mossberg. Uh, Mossberg 590 A1, absolutely, yeah. And then, uh, or the Remington 870, I think you can even find one out there if you wanted. Yep. And they, they, can, they can look cool. They can be all black. They can be all woodland camo. They can be all... You know, stock wood furniture, whatever you like. Some people don't like the shake. There's the uh, the Mossberg shake in the uh, in the pump, uh, like in the pump handle. There's there's a little bit of a little bit of a rattle in it. Kind of every single one that I've ever handled, and that's standard for them. It doesn't bother some people. It bothers others. But that's uh, that's a personal choice. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, and the nice thing is, like, either one of these guys you can buy used on CGN. They're Canadian gun nuts for, what, 350 to, well, If you really want to spend money, 450 bucks. Yeah. Um, and they can come in fairly decent shape, too. Uh, you can get them new, of course, still in Cabela's, your local gun store, anything like that. The nice thing is, unlike the old Bicals, you can still get parts for them if anything goes wrong. Um, there's a place yeah. called the Gravel Agency in Quebec that uh, sells all the parts for uh, Remington's. I'm not sure about Mossberg's, though. But, um, um, I mean, I just, I, the only parts I've ever needed, I've been able to source locally at my, like at my local retailer. So, yeah. um, I, I don't know. I've never tried. Yeah. So, uh, the nice thing about both these guns is they'll take the larger shells, the, uh, depending on the model that you get, yeah. you can call it three and a half inch shells. Uh, they come in varying barrel lengths from 18 to 30 inches. Sometimes I think you can get super duper long ones if you want it, but I don't know why. I don't know why you'd want one, but you know, whatever. <laughs> There's um, again to each their own. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, interchangeable chokes for uh, the Mossberg can do that too, right? Just to, to call something yep. else. Um, I yeah, yeah, well, I've, yeah, my got interchangeable choke. One that I got has a uh, uh, so it has the 18 inch uh, the 18 inch smoothbore barrel, but it also has a 14 inch rifle barrel. Oh, I think Alan's gone. The uh, the sky internet is not doing, or the the uh, yeah the satellite internet is not doing so well for me tonight. <laughs> it's a little bit overcast and kind of cloudy, and so my internet is my internet's wonky. Oh, no worries. It's still better than Hughes right now because he's in that power outage. But um, yeah, so I was going to say the older Wingmasters, like Remington 870 Wingmasters, are kind of the higher quality ones. You get those from yep. the 70s and 80s. They, they're like super high quality, kind of like Swiss watches. Um, newer ones, there are some issues with quality control for both those brands. Um, so if you're going to get either one of those, you might want to check on YouTube on how to fix some of the common issues or just give us an email. Yep. Uh, that's what all I had to say about the pumps. That's about all. That's all about all there is to say about the pumps. They're uh, they're reliable. They're um, there's a little bit more to them, but they're still not super, um, still not super challenging to to figure out quickly. Yeah, that's about that. Yeah, which brings us to semi-autos. Yeah, uh, semi-autos are good for uh, competition. Uh, dare I say, self-defense, but uh, a fast. We're not allowed to use guns for self-defense. We're in Canada. Well, technically we are. We just don't want to mention that. That's, uh, it's actually covered in the Firearms Act under self-defense as a reason, legitimate reason for using a, or, uh, owning a firearm, but they just don't ever will, they'll never approve you if you sell them. That's why you want one. But uh, that's just the, the idiocy of our laws nowadays. But uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, so for anyways, for the, the, the actual purpose that I would buy mine for, which would be the fast follow-up shot if you're hunting, um, or if you're in competition, you know, if you, if you duff a shot trying to hit a sporting clay or... You know, if you're doing the three-gun thing and you know, like they do in Alberta all the time, that second follow-up shot is really handy when it's like only half a second away. Yep. Um, semi-autos are currently used by the military. Uh, uh, they were used quite successfully in the Middle East there for you know a couple of decades. Um, unfortunately, under Canadian law, we're limited to five rounds uh, for semi-autos. So unfortunately, that's kind of a, a downer for that. So now is that might... five in the mag and one in the chamber, or five total? That is five in the mag and one in the chamber technically but it's five of the largest shell available 
that it, it can hold. So if it holds three and a half inch shells, it's you can actually make it five three and a half inch shells of capacity. But if you put two and three quarters in there, you might be able to sneak an extra one in. Yep. So I don't it's know. The old 40, 40 cal forty cal nine mil trick for handguns. Yeah, you put forty cal uh, forty cal mags and fill it with nine mil, you can get four or five more rounds in it. Yeah, but there's some shenanigans going on with the RCP right now. They're kind of reinterpreting that, and they're saying it might be five of the smallest after all. And yeah. Anyways, Long story short, semi-autos are pain in the butt right now. Yep. So, uh, yeah, uh, the Benelli M4. It was my kind of my my personal favorite for semi-autos this I've ever shot so far. It was actually my wife's first shotgun she ever shot, and she wanted one right away. But when I told her the price tag, she changed her mind. Yeah, um, you, can, you can buy a used car for the price of a Benelli. Yep. <laughs> so a Benelli M4 will run you about $2,400. Um, so, obviously, you're paying for quality and versatility and you know everything else. But... Um, yep. Somebody wants to send me one for review, though. I'll gladly do that. Oh, 100 percent. I, I will. I will gladly take it out and put it through paces and talk about it. And I may or may not give it back afterwards. Yeah. Um, so that, if I was going to recommend one, that's the one they've been using the, in the Middle East for quite a while, quite successfully for various purposes with the military um, and competition yep. here in North America. Um, but yeah, pretty fun gun. Oh, one mention, of the uh, one of the one of the the um, pseudonyms or one of the the nicknames for. Uh, um, for shotguns, I mean, you hear scattergun all the time, but you also hear uh, trench sleepers. That's kind of what they were designed for. It spreads spreads shot down range pretty quick and in, in over a wide area. Oh yeah, no, it uh, it's got a million uses for sure. Uh, honorable mention before we stop talking about types, uh, we mentioned the Benelli M4, but the Remington Versa Max is kind of a, a lower lower budget and you know more quality for your dollar spent. Yeah, um, available. Uh, you get them at Tradex Canada. And uh, the old Baikal IJ58, so it's it's the double barrel version of this thing. Um, instead of 145 bucks, I think you get them for about 250, and you get a double barrel. It looks kind of cool, and you can pull out your best Elmer Fudd hat and go hunting for wabbits. Oh, uh, my! The first time, I, first time I went hunting was with a uh, was with that that old. Uh, um, oh man, 250 was the model. I just can't remember the name of the manufacturer. It's, it's escaping me today. Oh, it's probably um, Stevens. Stevens, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, Stevens 250J with the double double barrel had the uh, um, the modified choke on the front trigger, which was the left barrel, and the um, full bore choke on the uh, the cylinder bore and the rear trigger, which is the right barrel. Well, most double barrels are designed that you take a, a close shot first and then a, a distant shot second. You can yeah. also reverse it as well, depending if it's got two triggers or a selectable, which one you want to use first. Yeah. Um, it's pretty cool that way, but um, yeah, there's all sorts of things like I mentioned recoil pads before. They actually fit on the on the tail end of the shotgun called the butt. If you want to put a recoil pad on here, it's basically like a foam pad, and it'll negate the effects of the recoil quite a bit on various things. Like Remington has a uh, proprietary one for their stuff called the Supercell, and for thirty bucks, it makes your life a whole lot nicer when you're uh, firing a whole bunch of rounds during the day. Or you can just be Russian and wear a thick coat all the time. Yeah, or just grow stronger. <laughs> you know. Just stop being a wuss and deal with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> damn, yeah. damn the bruises. Yeah, yeah, like good Russian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, if you're gonna buy a shotgun, I mean, honestly, for preparedness purposes, if you're just gonna go for food procurement, I mean, there's no sense buying a brand new one if you're just gonna take it out thrashing in the bush. So yeah. I really recommend if uh, people are getting serious about this to go on Kate and that's just take a peek on there. Um, it does take up time to set up an equipment exchange account, which is kind of like an eBay light with trader ratings and everything else. Um, 
there's a bit of a process to get involved with that, to, trying to avoid scams. Uh, so there is some effort involved, but if not, uh, go to your local local gun store, preferably. If not, your big box store, and most likely your local gun store. You have somebody that knows what they're talking about. Yeah, and one of the one of the big things with with any gun, of course, but especially with a shotgun that I found is that it's got to fit you right. So a recoil pad can either take a, a a stock that's a little bit too short and make it fit you properly, or it can take the right size. Um, the right size stock and extend it out past your reach a little bit. So make sure that when you're when you're doing that, it, you 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 match it to yourself because it's a good idea to have, but not if it makes it harder to shoot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Google is your friend. Uh, if you're going to go try and buy a gun online, beware. There's lots of scam sites. Just say no. So if you're not sure, drop us an email. Ask your friend. Whatever. Uh, back to our reloading episode. Uh, shotgun reloading is a thing, but the way that the shell prices have gone lately, if you're just doing birdshot for like up on game, don't bother. It's not worth your time or effort because you can pretty much buy them just as cheap as you can make them. Um, but the good news is, thanks to YouTube, it's pretty easy to figure out how to make your own lead shot. And if you can make your own lead shot, it's definitely worth it uh, because all of a sudden the, the, the biggest cost item goes right down to almost nothing. Yep. And people are making uh, lead shot out of car old carrier batteries, depending on the type of battery. Uh, wheel weights, uh, dental film from x-rays, believe it or not, uh, it's actually enough to collect up and make lead shot with. Um, there's all sorts of weird stuff they can use. Just please, if you're going to make, if you're going to do anything that involves melting metal, please make sure that you have proper fume hoods and filters because breathing in lead gases is not good for your body. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing. Nothing <laughs> could possibly go wrong because you'll be dead. <laughs> Nothing else will go wrong. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So also reloading, if you're going to do specialty rounds like buckshot or slugs, that's where actually the cost savings can be had if you're going to reload because buckshot and slugs, like this thing is actually right here, is a round of buckshot. It says right on there, it says nine pellets, double odd buck, two and three quarters. Tell us exactly what it is. Um, if you're going to do buckshot, those things are about a buckish, literally a buck a shot. And uh, as are slugs, sometimes more, um, you can reload them for a lot cheaper than that. But that's different than birdshot. So... Um, I, one of the first, the first time I ever fired a shotgun, maybe not the first time, one of the first times was actually as a, it was a door breaching round, which at the time was, um, the paste that gets used to make dental molds that uh, they, that when, when it hardens, it's, it's, um, it's almost like a clay and they, they put it, uh, mold it with some metal filings, turned it basically into a slug, um, hit that with the, they would put the way that it was set up with when I did it was um, a breaching round in the chamber and then two double lot rounds or three double lot rounds behind it in the tube. Huh? Yeah. So first one, first one opens the door. Second one is uh, second one becomes lethal. It's interesting because yeah, they want to make sure that I guess if there is something behind that they don't want to destroy or whatever they can just, or they don't know what's behind it. I suppose as soon as that round hits, it's going to disintegrate, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's designed. It's it's like getting punched in the face with a car that's you know an inch around, not even an inch around, and in and then it just disintegrates. Um, you know, you can do that with bondo and metal filings. Uh, it would certainly hurt if you got hit in the chest with something like that. But um, yeah, door breaching rounds are pretty. Uh, they're pretty interesting. They'll they'll smash the door into pieces, but they don't do any damage kind of beyond the door. Yeah, you can actually buy like rubber uh, less lethal things. 
rubber uh, darts and beanbag yeah. rounds. Bean, beanbag yeah. rounds, absolutely. I I have been hit in the chest with a beanbag round before. It was in training, oh. and um, it was unpleasant. Like, it well, was just it was just an unpleasant afternoon. <laughs> that, I think it's meant to be pleasant, but yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're so funny because they can spend like nine bucks a round on some of those things, right? They're uh, crazy expensive. But, my my will to stand up was almost non-existent for quite some time after that. It's an effective tool. Wow, but uh, yeah, big big star attached to this one. So shotgun reloading is a lot more complicated. Uh, well, a little more complicated, anyways, and certainly less forgiving than metallic cartridge reloading. Um, it is a low pressure round compared to rifle rounds, but the barrels are made for lower tolerances and lower pressures. So it, it's pretty easy to overpressure a shotgun round and, and cause damage to your shotgun and yourself. Yeah. Um, so if you're not sure, just take somebody or get somebody to take them under your wing or take you under the wing and, and start it that way. Um, there are molds available to cast your own slugs and buckshot with uh, the melted lead we talked about. And uh, just YouTubers, your friend for that. So that's what it. Yeah. Um, honorable mention to the, uh, to the judge, which is a, uh, uh, 20 gauge. Uh, 410. 410. It's 410. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a handgun. It's a revolver. Uh, the one that I shot was five rounds. This was in Kentucky a couple of years ago. Uh, five rounds of 410. Um, it's still a shotgun by definition because it takes a shotgun shell. But um, it was uh, it was very Arnold Schwarzenegger. It is large and in charge. And uh, <laughs> what I found what I found was that when like when actually when I was actually shooting it, it wasn't so bad. When I was standing behind somebody who was shooting it, the the pressure wave coming off of it was like it was intense. It, like it, it, I was, I was, I, I backed up from that because it was uh, like it was a lot. So that, anyways, that's just kind of an honorable mention. That's a thing that's out there. Um, yeah, that's about it. It's fun. I liked it. It was a good time. Cool. Um, so yeah, to carry on with our firearms uh, series here, I guess uh, we should bring ourselves to the podcast challenge. So you want to cover this one? Sure. It's, it's, it's time. So we've talked about why to have guns and how to have guns and uh, where to get guns. And so now is the time. If you don't have it yet, get your pal, get your possession and acquisition license from the government so that you at least have the option to purchase firearms down the road. Um, it is a process to get it. You like, you are guaranteed to wait at least 45 days from the day they receive it before, or from the day they complete your application. Uh, before uh, you actually get your license and then travel time after that. Like it's, it's a wait. It can take some, sometimes upwards of six months uh, and it's, that's under absolutely ideal conditions. That is current. Who knows what's going to happen when the, uh, after the election, depending on what, what changes come down the pipe for the, uh, for the firearms act. Um, so get your possession and acquisition license. I, I think we mentioned it, but there are two levels, uh, restricted and non-restricted. Most shotguns are non-restricted. Um, so shotguns and rifles uh, with your with your standard pal, or um, you can usually swing a deal with your uh, with your local instructor and get a package and get your uh, uh, get your restricted license at the same time. That allows you to own shorter uh, shorter firearms, uh, handguns, smaller you know smaller shotguns, smaller rifles, things like that. Um, so Get that now. Now's a good time. Um, that will also help. It will also go a long way to keep you safe. Um, I think uh, we talked about it. Was it the last episode or the one before with the, uh, it was the last episode was firearms, uh, legal insurance. Yeah. Um, 
let's uh, yeah, let's not let's not forget that. Um, go call Zach if you're gonna get your, well, as soon as you get your license, even before you buy guns. Talk to talk to Zach and find out what you what you need to have because it's uh, um, as we saw in the in the in the news article at the beginning of the episode. Simply being in possession of a gun without a license is a criminal charge. Um, the way it was put to me is essentially it is illegal to own a gun in Canada, and you can buy you can lease a five year exception to it by having a pal. Yeah, it's like a get out of jail free card for this felon for five years. Yeah, because um, yeah, I mean, there's lots of people, and I don't want anybody to tell me if that's the case, but I mean, they have grandpa's old shotgun in their closet. They never bothered to get a firearms license because grandpa just dropped it off the week before he died. And yeah, I mean, it's a thing. If you get caught with that without a firearms license, you technically are going to be looking at a mandatory minimum sentence in Canada, which yep. is not a bad thing. That is um, a bad thing, yep. From my Patriot podcast side of things, I mean, basically, the more numbers we have that are PAL holders in Canada, I'd say the less likely already to be pushed around on a, <laughs> on a daily basis by politicians that are going to try and constantly strip the uh, the rights that we have away. So um, honestly, yeah. you know, if you even if you don't want to get one that right now or you're not comfortable getting one right now, it can't hurt to go through the course. And like Alan said, you're talking like despite what the media says, it's not as fast as a process they would like it to make it out to be. Like you're looking at like, probably a six month wait before you can get your hands on a firearm if you started today. Yep. And so, um, yeah, it, it takes time. I mean, when I did, when I did my course, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, um, I, when I started the, when I started the process of finding out, of, of, of finding out where and when, uh, it was a three month wait just to get into a class. Yeah. Just because it was, they were, they were booked and then uh, you have to send off your application and then they have to go through several interviews and then they have to, then there's a waiting period and then they might mail it out to you and then you might get it within a couple of weeks because it's Canada Post. Yeah. Oh, and just as a side note too, I mean, yeah, having firearms legal defense insurance is great, but if you've broken the law intentionally, he still can't help you. <laughs> so yep. it's not what he's going to be able to do for you. But so yeah, do it, do it right. Do it safe. Um, we're all, we all have every intent of being legal, uh, above board, honest upstanding citizens and so let's keep it that way do it right having a shotgun is a good thing it's a great idea um having it legally is an even better idea yeah and uh yeah any questions feel free because i mean we kind of just breezed over the basics but there are better podcasts out there with the focus on firearms but you know we just thought we'd carry on with this uh, firearms theme for the month but um i guess time to go to the episode closing uh yeah what do we have for upcoming events we still have uh shakeout bc what what happened with that well, that was today. Uh, what an absolute fail. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like, I was like, I was talking with some people about it. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, there's a website. I mean, aren't you worried about, like, you know, should we talk about earthquake preparedness? And he's like, why? That was my last coworker yesterday. And then um, uh, I've asked about three or four people that even heard of it. Nobody heard of it. And, um, yeah, I was trying to promote it. And a bunch of other people were trying to say something about it. And, it got zero exposure, even in the media. And I was like, "Wow, I guess you guys need to work on your exposure for next year." I, I saw a um, I saw a video that the Red Cross produced, the Canadian Red Cross produced for this event. Um, I only saw it because I happened to follow them on Instagram. But that was uh, yeah, that was about it. Yeah. So yeah, that was um, be prepared for earthquakes, and we might do an entire episode on that. Didn't didn't we do an episode on that? If nope, not, we yet. should do one. In the, we'll we'll do one in the near future. Maybe we'll do that in the spring. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's be prepared for earthquakes. That's a totally reasonable thing to be prepared for, especially when you live on a, the extension of the San Andreas Fault, like some of us. 
Yep. Yeah, especially if you're anywhere near the Rockies, it's a good idea to be prepared. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, shout-outs, I got nothing this week. I, I got nothing. Um, there are some pretty awesome people out there. You know who you are. Keep being awesome. And uh, if you if you want us to shout you out, write us something, and then we'll talk about you. Like this there next guy. Like this next guy. So, <laughs> Um, with Eric being off, we don't have any access to the, uh, to the, to a lot of the stats. Um, so we may or may not have received any, any emails. Uh, we did receive a three-star review. Is that our first three-star review or our second three-star review? Yeah, our first three-star review. Our first three-star review. You know what? I will take mediocre. I'm good with that. It, yeah. You know, anything over two and a half is above 50%. I'm okay with that. We're above 500. Um, so this was from Cole from Cole from WPG, which I'm assuming is Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, he says the audio quality is terrible and the hosts are long-winded. It is informative though, so it's okay, but they have a long way to go. Well, Cole, you're absolutely correct. Uh, mm-hmm. The audio quality can be terrible sometimes, especially you know things like tonight. Um, it's what happens when you live in the country and you have uh, satellite internet. It's also what happens when you have uh, people who are spread out across four time zones and literally coast to coast across the country. Uh, it means that we don't have the opportunity, especially because we're live, we don't have the opportunity to get into a sound booth and do it with professional quality equipment. If you would like us to have professional quality equipment, please go ahead and buy a t-shirt. <laughs> I guarantee that the first thing we will do, given that we are, given that we are raising funds for that, would be to improve audio quality. Uh, but the truth is that we don't receive any compensation for doing this. We don't... Uh, um, we are we are not making any money on this. This is just for fun. This is for kicks. And yeah, you're right. Um, the audio quality is terrible. It can get better, but it has to get better with funding. So um, there was a review a couple of weeks ago where somebody was really happy that we don't do all these product reviews that a lot of other websites do. Fun fact: those product reviews are ads. And so yeah, we don't yeah. do that because we care about we care more about the content and we could do that and we could probably sell a whole lot of ad space and um, then you'd be listening to a lot of advertisements just going in circles. Um, long-winded sometimes, but you know, we're a bunch of guys that like to sit around and talk about stuff. You should hear what happens when we're off the air. Um, and that's how it goes. I'm glad that you find us informative and uh, I'd love to hear your feedback. We've got a long way to go. Tell us what we can do to improve. Shoot us an email, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Um, love to hear from you, Cole. And if you've got ideas on the show, then uh, please, um, we even we'll, we'll even have you on have you on board. So that's uh, that's Cole, and uh, I'm always happy to talk about uh, always happy to talk about guests and, and what we hear. Yeah, um, that's uh, you took the words right out of my mouth for pretty much everything. Um, I appreciate that it was a little long winded, and I did yes, exactly. That's good because uh, I mean we got thick skin, so we'll, we'll take whatever advice we can. Um, yeah, drop us an email. We're wide open, so uh, I guess that's it. So on the outro, I'm going to bring uh, episode 40 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please help us out. You can take a few minutes and submit a review. It helps other people find us. You can also find us at prepperpodcast.ca and on Facebook. I do believe we're doing this live too, right? Uh, I, I certainly hope so. You're the one setting it up. So. No, fa- Facebook Live as well as uh, YouTube. Which Facebook is Live. Yeah, I think I think that that's I think that's how it's set up. But I, because I have satellite internet, I don't get to host, so I don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, we do record these shows live uh, via Streamyard, and so if you want an early peek at the shows, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. It gives you alerts when we're going live. You should also be able to receive those same alerts 
for Facebook, uh, but somebody with Facebook would have to confirm that. So if you did find this via Facebook, please let us know. Feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Or you can contact me directly via Instagram at PPSWO. Cool. So you can reach Ian directly by emailing me at the feet at gmail.com. Um, you can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast, also available on iTunes and YouTube. There you can find us discussing more government waste, squirreling off on the odd firearms-related banter, and exposing the daily loss of freedoms we're facing. As a special note, on Monday, we will have some live election coverage that is bound to be entertaining because it's going to be a multi-hour show. And will you be, you know, doing tears of joy and maybe some drunken rants of joy or drunken rants of sadness. Who knows? My, I, I can't wait for this. Like I don't, I, I frankly, I don't often listen to the Patriot podcast live. Um, I am fully planning to listen to that because man, it's going to be entertaining. Like whether, whether you win or lose, somebody's getting drunk and somebody's going to be yelling about it. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, that's going to be entertaining. I, I look, I look forward to that. So, um, Again, we'll squirrel off a little bit. Uh, if you are a Canadian, if you are in a, um, uh, you are you. If you are a Canadian, you have a responsibility to vote. Uh, the vote comes Monday. If you haven't already, uh, if you haven't already cast your ballot in the in the the advanced polls, um, please get out there. Um, if you uh, if you don't vote, um, well, frankly, you're an ass. Please well, you just do it. Basically, if you don't vote, you don't have the right to complain for the next four years. And yep. uh, that's, you know, that's about it. Yep. Even if you can't make it on Monday, you can still show up to any Elections Canada office, preferably your, your local one, and you can do what they call a special ballot. It doesn't have to yep. be advanced polls days or anything else. You can still just show up and say, "I want to do a special ballot." The only difference is you have to type in your or fill in the own can your own candidate's name uh, on your vote. Yeah, they'll, they'll provide you with a sheet on how to spell it. Need. <laughs> so. Yeah. So there's there are ways to vote. There are no, frankly, there are no excuses for not voting. Um, it 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 upsets me every election when we're when when the media talks about a great turnout of thirty five percent of eligible voters. Just get out and vote. It is important. Yeah. Um, after you have voted, please check out Rapid Survival at www.rapidsurvival.com. Uh, you can usually find Eric there on the live chat. It's got some pretty cool gear. Um, so yeah, go see it. Uh, it's awesome stuff that'll keep you prepared, and uh, um, hopefully, uh, when the big earthquake hits, then you have all the stuff you need. Um, one good thing to buy from Rapid Survival is a uh, is a water bomb. Uh, we talked about that. I think the first episode that I was on was about water. That was way back, you know, thirty some odd episodes ago. Um, but uh, yeah, make sure you have water. The wind, you know, with winter coming, you may get snowed in. We'll talk about that another day too, but um, a water bob fills your bathtub, has clean drinking water, keeps it isolated. So that, that's a good thing to buy from Rapid Survival. Actually, you know what? You just reminded me. I think we're coming up next week. It's going to be our one-year uh, anniversary since we started. I think it is. That's going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. We're going to have to have a little party. Two, <laughs> drunk, two drunken podcasts in a week. Are you going to be okay, Ian? Uh, well, I'm on vacation, so it's all good now. So Perfect. <laughs> yeah, just in time. My summer vacation came in all late this year, but... Here I am. Well, you're so, on the you're on the coast. Is it ever really winter? Uh, you'd be surprised today. It certainly is. Uh, <laughs> anyway, well, thanks for joining us. So tune in for the next episode. We're going to be talking about dogs and their uses and preparedness. Um, so a little away from the firearms, but kind of related. Kind of related. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs>